Welcome back to America's Pal. I'm your host, Darren White. That's right, this is the number one rated podcast being recorded in my man cave. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone that listened to episode number one last week. Um, this is a fun little journey that we're going on, and I hope that you uh, you took something away from it that might have uh, meant something. So we're going to dive back in this week. We're going to do our news outbreak, going over all of the events of this past week um, and a quick rundown. And then uh, today, I wanted to kind of go back and look at what brought us where we are today. Um I don't think we can fully grasp what has been going on over the past two and a half years when it comes to our republic, where we're at today, if we don't remember what just the past two and a half years started as and where we've come and how quickly things have devolved and why the dangers of fear, hyperbole, pure liquid democracy are something that our our founders warned us about and why we should never be quick to call America a democracy to begin with because we're a republic. It's a tempered democracy. But with the news cycle that changes so quickly every single every single day, every every twenty minutes there's a new headline, a new thing to be afraid of, the the fear porn that keeps permeating all the news cycles. We keep jumping from one hot button to the next. Um, I kind of wanted to recap as an anecdotal history of what I've experienced over the past two and a half years. And the, the phrase, the to the victor go the spoils, it's got a much darker meaning than just... Uh, um, whatever military battle was won and then who walks away with what. It, it has more of a societal one as well. So whoever controls the narrative is the winner. They get to write the history. Well, I think it's important that we each remember our, our own history, our own personal interaction with life. And uh, here in America, things have happened so quickly over the past two and a half years. I just kind of wanted to take this episode and take a chance to maybe recap what I remember was going on in 2019, what was going on in my personal life, and how quickly things escalated and quickly things changed. So we're going to dig into, basically, let's go through a 2019 to 2022 timeline and move forward and, and, and take away with it, it all in context, instead of grab this soundbite, grab this thing, this next thing that we're supposed to be afraid of, and then we're going to make our, 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 our governmental policy based on whatever the new thing that we're supposed to be afraid of today. This whole policy, our, our, our entire governmental policy is now um, do something because something must be done. Doesn't matter what we do, we just do it. That's no way to, to run a, a government. It's, it's a way to control masses. But it's no way to, to, to run a republic, and it's certainly not what our founders envisioned. So we're going to dig into 2019 to today. This week, we're going to talk about the dangers of just pure populism versus um, our republic and how it doesn't matter what populist, if, if 
you know, you have you can have a populist that I aligns himself with everything you believe in, but he didn't have any principles. So it's populism versus principles this week. But uh, before we dig into all of that, unfortunately, we have to dig into one of our deadbeat sponsor breaks. They're deadbeat sponsors because, well, we don't have any real sponsors, so I've had to uh, make them up myself. I've had to write them. So, uh, unfortunately, let's take a quick deadbeat sponsor break, and then we're going to move right into the news outbreak. The program is brought to you by Moly Moly Guacamole. It's never a mole steak to enjoy moly moly guacamole whenever you're on the job. Fook me, it's delicious. This sort of thing is my bag, baby. It will make number two work for you. It's better than pork pies in a bag of trout. Even after they pay me, I'm going to melt the world with liquid hot moly moly guacamole. My father would womanize, he would drink, he would put moly moly guacamole on meat helmets. It's like catnip for clowns. It's delicious, but not quite evil enough. It's quasi-evil. It'll put a load on deck that would choke a donkey. It's gonna start a fire. I put it on my baby. Mmm, everybody likes their own brand. But moly moly guacamole is the best. Yeah, baby. This poor... And welcome back. Here we are to uh, America's Pal. This is uh, our second episode. Um, And let's get right into this week's news outbreak. So, let me explain. There is no time. Let me sum up. The DOJ, the HHS, the CDC, the DOE, the DOT, the DOH, the DOA, the DOD, the DOI, the CII, and the FBI held a PC to issue the following statement. If the former VP is such a VIP, we should keep the PC on the QT because if it leaks to the VC, he'd become an MIA and we would all end up on KP. Iron Mike will not face charges for pummeling a belligerent passenger mid-flight who did not expect any consequences for his actions. Apparently, the woodshed is a good place after all. Mostly peaceful protesters are gathering in front of the private homes of Supreme Court justices, not attempting to intimidate a a judicial proceeding. First Lady Jill Biden traveled to Ukraine without her husband, Joe. When questioned about her trip, the president shouted, You call her Dr. Jill Dahl. Putin fires missiles at Odessa. The good citizens of the town near the Mexican border expressed their concerns by stating a wall would have been a far more reasonable place to start enforcing the border. Fox News host Sean Hannity in a ringing endorsement for Dr. Oz says Dr. Oz is as severely conservative as Mitt Romney is. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki leaves the administrations for the media midget MSNBC. MSNBC President Rashida Jones says her dedication to the distribution of misinformation makes her an ideal fit here at MSNBC. Elon Musk threatens to lift the Twitter ban on former President Donald Trump. The execs at CNN are excited to finally have him writing their content for them again. 
The January 6th committee subpoenas five Republican lawmakers. No word yet if Kamala Harris will be called about her role in the riots of the summer of 2020. In a misguided attempt to end our republic once and for all and install his new American monarchy, current President Joe Biden crowns former President Donald Trump the Great MAGA King. As expected, newly crowned Great King Trump sent up, set up his court and exiled former President Biden to Scranton with nothing more than his dusty old lunchbox. Cocaine Mitch travels to Kiev to secure his share of wartime waste, fraud, and abuse. Putin may or may not be dying. The warmongers, U.S. warmongers excited about their regime change opportunities. Netflix tells their employees that if they're uncomfortable with some of their content, they can go pound sand. In response, Disney CEO Bob Chapek says, Damn, why didn't we think of that? And that sums up our weekly news outbreak. Now, before we dig into our look back on 2019 to 2022, unfortunately, we do have to take one more commercial break. So let's go to our deadbeat sponsor and see what they have to offer us today. This portion of the program is brought to you by Captain Ramius Submarine Shales and Service. Are you in the market for a Typhoon-class submarine? Does your current submarine need a little sprucing up before nuclear war season? Does your submarine lack the pizzazz your neighboring superpower submarines have? Have you recently acquired a super-secret submarine and are looking to make some extra rubles or dollars? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Captain Ramius Submarine Sales and Service is the place for you. To contact Captain Ramius Submarine Sales and Service, you must send one ping. One ping only. Welcome back from uh, that uh, deadbeat sponsor break. So let's dig into where we were back in 2019 before COVID, before our republic was completely handed over to a bureaucracy, before we started showing signs of corporate fascism. We're going to get into to what that is. Um, in a little bit and in, in coming shows, we're going to talk about what corporate fascism or corporatism actually is, why it has no place in our American republic. But because news moves so quickly and keeps moving, it keeps everybody jumping from one topic to the next. I kind of wanted to recap what's happened over the past two and a half years. So here's a look back on the way things were in my life and the way things were going. It wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Nothing was ideal. Uh, 2019 was, you know, the administration was still a contentious one. Um, the media was all aligned in one way just to prevent anything positive from coming out. But here's, here's what we were looking at back in 2019. This might take a bit, but we're just going to buzz through 2019 to today. So back in the news... Um, winter and spring of 2019, you had Jesse Smollett 
pretend to put a, a noose around his neck. The media ate it all up, tried to incite yet another race war. Um, Aunt Becky from Full House went to jail for, uh, or was arrested for um, paying bribes to get her kids into college. The Covington High School kids were in Washington, D.C., and the media found a clip where uh, Nicholas Sandman appeared to be smirking at a Native American when it all turned out that the whole thing was an attack on these kids who were standing there at the National Mall. Um, it was incessant. Russia, 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 nonstop. Russia was the scapegoat for every ill that America had. Hillary Clinton was on, on every stage she could possibly get on saying how a Russia, how, how Russia infiltrated our election system, how they, they stole the election for Donald Trump. It was, we couldn't trust our electorate. We couldn't, we couldn't trust our systems. In, in spite of all of that, we're going through some of uh, some amazing positive changes in our country, but they still kept clinging on to this whole Russia, Russia, this Robert Mueller report. So the Mueller report drops. There's nothing in it. Then at the same time, manufacturing manufacturing's coming home. You, you couldn't swing a dead cat without seeing a new plant expanding or growing or coming back to the U.S., uh, more jobs, manufacturing jobs were finally being added. It took a little bit to get the things, uh, to, to get it moving. But by 2019, yeah, manufacturing jobs. Turns out there was a magic wand. It was government bureaucracy. And instead of beating them away, um, Donald Trump decided, let's try and encourage some growth here. Let's, let's bring some of those trillions that are held offshore home. So manufacturing grows. We were experiencing record unemployment amongst the minorities, African-Americans, Asians, Hispanics, women. Um, unemployment numbers that we hadn't seen since they were recording how many people actually had jobs and who they were. NATO finally got forced to pay up. The U.S. was no longer going to, to foot the entire bill for NATO and defending all of these other countries that did not have to have their own armies. We experienced for the first time in American history energy independence. We didn't rely on OPEC. Today we're begging OPEC for oil. But we didn't, just two and a half years ago, back in 2019, we didn't have to ask OPEC to do anything with production. We had plenty. So much so that we were exporting it. We also had Theresa May botches the Brexit. Boris, John, Boris Johnson enters the scene, um, tries to make, make sense of it. Um, still a huge mess when the people of England had decided that they wanted to leave the EU. That couldn't get done. At the same time, Antifa becomes violent, and the media just kept ignoring it. I remember Jerry Dad Nadler saying that it was a myth. At the same time, they're taking over cities, entire city blocks, setting up autonomous zones, chop zones, uh, places where the police weren't permitted Whole city blocks, businesses were forced to shut down. They were standing in intersections, damaging cars, threatening people that they couldn't get by if they didn't pledge allegiance to their cause. None of this went unchecked. They were burning police stations. The entire time, the media is like, no, it's not happening. And I'm sitting there watching the footage. I'm listening to people who are there actually seeing it. These are the things that were going on back in 2019. At the same time, 
Al Baghdadi gets pink misted. We decided he was out. We had Iran on the ropes. Terror funding had drastically reduced. The Iranians had were to the point where their economy was so bad, they were finally protesting their own theocratic form of government. Nobody mentions anything about it. Then something strange happened. The people of Hong Kong began protesting in the streets, and not just a few of them. If you look back on some of the headlines from Politico, CNN, um, CBS, all of the, the, the major media networks, it was big enough to where they were saying that it was in the, the tens of thousands into the hundreds of thousands. But the fact of the matter was it was millions of people every day. This started uh, May and June of the summer of 2019. And why were they protesting? They were protesting because their democracy was being threatened. You see, back in 1997, Britain gave Hong Kong back to China, back to the Communist China Party, with one caveat, that Hong Kong could remain autonomous, that they could have their own set of laws, they could have their freedom of speech, their right to assemble, and that Beijing wouldn't have any weight on what happens to the citizens of Hong Kong. Well, the government in Hong Kong back in uh, uh, May and June set up a law where uh, Beijing could now extradite citizens of Hong Kong back to Beijing and, and punish them for crimes. It opened a door to end the... Uh, the freedom that the people of Hong Kong were guaranteed to have. So the people of Hong Kong who have enjoyed their own level of democracy, not a, not an American Republic style, but democracy in, in, in the middle of a communist nation, were now threatened again by Beijing and by their own government that wanted to hand them back over to Beijing. So millions of these people poured out onto the streets. Hong Kong, they tried to, to end it. They tried to quell it. Things escalated. Things got more and more violent. But for months this went on. Hong Kong was um, facing protests. And these people in the streets, they were singing our national anthem. Because they, they have seen it. They have seen what liberty actually is. It's unfortunate that so many American citizens despise the liberty that they have right now. But the people of Hong Kong were begging for it. So it escalates. It keeps growing night after night after night. There's, there's these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people marching on the streets of Hong Kong. Xi Jinping looks worse and worse. At the same time, he's in the middle of a trade war with our president, and regardless of what you think about tariffs or his approach, U.S. manufacturing was coming home. Jobs were growing here in the U.S. Xi Jinping, even though he wasn't on the ropes, he started looking weaker. And for a communist dictator, that's not something that you can, you can allow to happen. But there wasn't any way to get Donald Trump off the stage, and there wasn't any way to get these millions of Hong Kong protesters that were, that were marching for democracy off of the streets. 
So he's between a rock and a hard place. At the same time, Adam Schiff drops Ukraine into our national dialogue about a phone call to Zelensky. We didn't hear word one about about Ukraine in the, the national media. Some of us have known about Ukraine for years since Joe Biden was first uh, nominated. We were digging into his ties into the Ukraine. His son's business dealings with a company called Burisma. None of that ever made any news. It was all considered conspiracy theory and fake. Then all of a sudden... Uh, Ukrainian President Poroshenko is out in a surprise election where a comedian, an actor, wins election. And Donald Trump simply calls him and says, I'd like to congratulate you on your, on your election, but be very, very careful. There is corruption all around you. Now, all of a sudden, here we are in impeachment trials over a phone call Donald Trump had because a whistleblower said that he was looking for a... Uh, um, negative press against his political opponent. So Donald Trump does the unthinkable. He just drops the whole transcript of the phone call. Nobody on the left, nobody in the major media outlets read the transcript. None of them took a second and look at it and say, now nah, there's actually nothing here. Adam Schiff continues on his vendetta brings witness after witness. There's nothing there. There is absolutely nothing to that phone that that phone call. There was there was no the the president misusing any power. And at the same time, they went ahead and voted along party lines to impeach the president of the United States. Of course, he he goes on into the Senate where they don't have the votes, gets acquitted anyway, but it was just it was a show. At the same time, we're experiencing record job growth. This is 2019. This is not last year, the year before. Actual job growth, where the economy hadn't been killed, it hadn't been slammed shut, and everybody who had a job could no longer go work for their job or or their entire company gets shut down. No, these were actual jobs finally coming back to America. In the course of three years, 7 million jobs were added to our economy, people working. Like I said, record unemployment numbers, low unemployment numbers amongst minorities. Imagine what it must be like for the left who has kept minorities on their plantation for decades. And then in walks, yes, he's a populist. He's not a principled man. He's a populist. But in walks his populist with a notion about how business should be done, and all of a sudden, all of these minority groups are seeing their personal incomes raise. See, see their lives improve, that they don't need handouts, that they can make it on their own. All they need is a chance, and they need an economy that works for everybody. Well, that's what they were getting back in 2019. That's what everybody was getting. White, black, Asian, doesn't matter. We were all getting the same opportunities because the jobs were finally there. If you wanted a job back in 2019, you went and got one. It was there. None of this looked good for anybody trying to get rid of the current administration. So 
something had to change. There had to be a catalyst to change things. At the same time on the news, of course, every day we were looking at the illegal immigration, the caravans and caravans of illegal immigrants that were flooding our border. Through the Trump administration, those policies that he enacted put an end to it. That brings us towards the fall, almost into the winter of of 2019. And on a personal level, I had been through medical situations, years and years of, of, of lower back issues where, yeah, I had been in pain management in and out of that. I'd been in and out of doctor's offices for years. At the same time, my wife is battling um, uh, trigeminal neuralgia, which is extremely, extremely devastating and painful. For 10 years, she fought it with, with no hope. We finally find a doctor here in the... Uh, um, the fall of 2019 that says there is a solution. It's a surgery and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a brain surgery, but there's a solution. So towards the end of November, early December, he sends her to go get an MRI. And this is where things start changing a little bit. Just where I was, I was noticing that the dynamic behind the scenes, just of everyday life started changing. We went into the, the office where, where they do the, uh, the imaging and testing and all of that. And something, something was just different. This was probably, I believe, the last week of November. All of the staff, every single one of them, were wearing masks. Now, during the flu season, that's, it's not uncommon to see some of the staff. But every single staff member, so much so that I even asked, I, I said, is there, you know, what's, what's going on with all the masks? Is there something we need to be worried about? And this medical group is the, I believe it's the largest healthcare for, provider here in Central Florida. And, and the, the girl behind the counter, she just said, well, they're, they're talking about a bad flu season. And, and for all of us staff that don't want to get the flu shot, uh, we have to wear masks. But I'm looking around I'm like, well, there's, there's, everybody's wearing masks. Because, yeah, we don't, we, we don't want the flu shot. And I just, I just thought it was odd that the entire staff was. So we didn't think anything of it. Got the MRI. Um, my wife had her surgery and was recovering just a few weeks, began her recovery a few weeks later. So we're back in and out of doctor's offices and things like that. At the same time, we start hearing about the potential for an illness in China. And of course, every year we face a new thing to be afraid of. It'd be SARS or... Ebola or whatever, a, a, a weird strain of the flu. So you don't really think that much about it. And just kind of went, went on with our lives. But then I started noticing that the headlines were changing. There weren't any protesters on the streets in Hong Kong anymore. The mood, the mood seemed to shift. Things seemed to get a little bit... Un... un uh, I guess the, what would be the word? It would be uh, untenable. It was just things didn't seem like there was the normal was, was going to continue. And it just seemed odd to me that millions of Hong Kong protesters just, just all of a sudden got quiet. No explanation why. At the same time, Antifa got more and more aggressive going into the beginning of 2020. And then 
the first COVID case hits the U.S. That's when everything began to change here in America as far as our republic goes, as far as how the the general public live their day-to-day life. There was talk of, no, there's nothing to worry about here. Go on your cruises, all of that. The masks aren't necessary. There's, There's nothing to worry about. And then it started escalating. It started growing. Now, all of a sudden, the travel between China and Italy and Europe increased. And now tens of thousands of people in Italy and throughout Europe begin dying. So the president does what uh, he should have done, which was issue the travel ban to and from China. And, of course, the press goes nuts. They just say, hey, um, now he's here you go. Here, he's a xenophobe. He's a racist, blah, 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 blah. Well, it was, no, it was cut it off at the source was the idea. And hopefully it'll stay contained, which obviously that, that wasn't going to happen. Then over the coming weeks, we, we learned all about wet markets. I mean, nobody had heard about what a wet market was until the um, early months of 2020. Animals stacked on top of other animals from all over the world. We learned about a bat soup that supposedly that's where it leaked. That somehow that virus from other animals, that bat, one particular bat, got urinated on from an animal in a cage above it that was carrying some sort of virus, ends up inside that bat and then ends up in a bowl of soup and that somehow that was the um, the source of COVID-19 in human beings. It magically leapt without any help from anybody else. At the same time, then we start learning about a little virology lab, which who, who even knew what a virology lab was? But there just so happened next to that wet lab was a virology lab in Wuhan where they were doing gain-of-function research, which, of course, nobody knew what gain-of-function research was, and I'd be remiss to think that half our American population today even knows what gain-of-function research is. But it's essentially trying to get diseases from animals into human beings' bodies. And they call it research, but it always devolves into essentially chemical warfare or biological warfare. But then all of a sudden, the world got sick. And the narrative never changed. It never, it never changed. It was all, always the wet market. It was always this bowl of bat soup. And anybody with a rational brain, I'm looking at this going, none of this makes any sense. One bowl of bat soup doesn't, doesn't kill millions. Then we start seeing inflatable hospitals in China. In inflatable hospitals. And the media took it seriously. That look at how efficient Xi Jinping is, how, the, how, how efficient the, the Chinese Communist Party is, how quickly they're on top of this. Then it turns out those blow-up hospitals were exactly what they were. They were just inflated hospitals that had nothing to do. They were just, they were just for show to kind of keep the world at bay, to deflect any blame on China. All the while, they're still permitting travel from China to the rest of the world. Then it gets darker. China starts welding their citizens into their homes, locking them in. 
Then come late February, early March, enters Dr. St. Fauci. And in my opinion, this is where America herself completely went off the rails. This is where the populist president took a hands-off approach to our federal government. And in the name of an emergency and in the name of safety, he essentially turned over every decision about how Americans were to live their lives to one government bureaucracy. The moment Dr. Fauci entered the scene was the day the CDC began controlling your life on a regular basis. We no no longer looked to our representatives. We no, no longer looked to legislation. It was purely based on the opinion of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, now made every decision for your life, for my life, for your employment, where you worked, when you could work, could you go outside? This is when two weeks to flatten the curve started. And yeah, all of us were like, all right, well, here we go. This is another, you know, flash in the pan thing. We'll do our two weeks. Yay, team. Move on. And two weeks turned into three, four. Then they'd lift it a little bit and then clamp it back down. The American public was all of a sudden on a yo-yo based on the whim of one bureaucracy. These aren't even practicing doctors. They've got PhDs. Dr. Fauci has physically practiced medicine in 40 years. And since, and, and at that time, he was predicting that there'd be an AIDS vaccine. Nobody bothered to ask, but because, hey, this is dangerous. This is scary. People are dying. Something's got to be done. So rather than do nothing, let's just do something. Do whatever it takes, regardless of what you're going to sacrifice. Then here's where the sacrifice actually began, in my opinion. The CDC divided the American public into two classes. We were divided into the essentials and the non-essentials. And I want to know what psychologically that did to our nation. When a small portion of the American public was deemed essential and the rest, stay home, do what you're told. Um, your, Your job's not going to be there anyway. You're not essential. What, what does that do to somebody? And it blew my mind that so many people just willingly just said, all right, well, if they say I'm not essential, I'm going to do my part, lock myself in the house, and not go out for the next year. Meanwhile, even though, yeah, my work in commercial plumbing slowed down a bit, we kept working. Spent that next year driving into work. It takes me about 25 minutes to get to work uh, without traffic. I was getting to work in 15, 20 minutes. Nobody on the roads. It was like 
trying to drive to the office on Christmas. And it was like that way for, for almost a year. You look around, you don't see anybody. We, our office is in between the University of Central Florida and a, uh, a technological school called Full Sail. We're right in the middle of that. So it's all college students, pretty much, that you, you drive amongst every day. None of the morons street racing. None of the fender benders from people texting. You didn't have to worry about these, these people texting on their phones. Just drove quietly into work. I did that for almost a year. And the entire time I'm thinking all of these people that are on the road today that were on the road the same time last year back in 2019 when we were experiencing the most job growth in American history. All these people are staying home and they've been told they're not essential. Just think psychologically, just think about that for a minute. What does that do to somebody if they're told you don't have any purpose here? Just do what you're told. But I think what saddened me the most was that so many people just said, you're right. Their liberty didn't mean anything to them. wasn't important. Their paychecks were. But they had no value in society because the government told them, no, there are people that more are more essential than you are. So I think that's when, just over the past two years, that accelerated sense of uh, authority over the human spirit, the American spirit, came down like a hammer on the American public. And when when the CDC saw that it was so easy, the gloves came off. It didn't stop. It didn't stop them from doing anything. They could issue any mandate they wanted. Any anything they wanted to do to to inflict to supersede your God given rights, they could just do it because the vast majority of Americans were just willing to do anything, just something. Something has to be done. I want to remind you that that's the exact same mentality that gave you the Patriot Act after nine eleven. Something had to be done. It's that exact same mentality that gave you the Department of Homeland Security, another unelected bureaucracy that to this day, this very day, is now treating parents at school board meetings as domestic terrorists. That's not a law. That's just a protocol from the Department of Homeland Security, and it's enforced by our Justice Department, by our Attorney General Eric Garland, requested by yet another bureaucracy, and that's the Department of Education. They asked Merrick Garland to start investigating parents who simply stood up and questioned their school boards about what was being taught to their children or rejecting what was going on in their schools. Or a dad that stood up at a school board meeting and was told by the school board that even though he had a police report, his daughter had not been raped, 
his 14-year-old daughter had not been raped in the girl's bathroom by a dude that liked to wear a skirt. They label people like that as domestic terrorists when he flew off the handle a little bit, when he was told what actually happened did not happen by a bureaucrat. So that mentality of we have to do something because something must be done isn't a new one. The CDC knew that. Every administration moving forward since 9-11 knew that the American people would do something because something had to be done. The idea that never let a crisis go to waste, it was, it was cliché to everybody in the media. But it's not a cliché. It's how they do business in Washington. And it's how they do business with people that think that we're a democracy, not a republic. They work for us. So two weeks to flatten the curve becomes two years to ignore herd immunity. Any notion to move on, to let our bodies heal, let our bodies handle the virus, any notion to do that. We knew the facts. The facts about this virus haven't changed since day one. Fact of the matter is this virus affects the elderly, morbidly obese, and people with multiple comorbidities. But rather than focusing on protecting those groups, that smaller group of the the population, they struck the fear of this virus into every healthy American heart. Herd immunity got mocked. It was a myth. wasn't true. wasn't possible. The only salvation had to come from a brand new drug from Big Pharma, and one was right around the corner. In the middle of all of this, these lockdowns, all of the fear of a virus, summer of 2020, all of a sudden, the George Floyd death occurs. It's a terrible, terrible situation. Terrible loss of life, unnecessary and innocent loss of life in that situation. But it sparked riots that went throughout the country. CDC didn't crack down on them for their safety protocols, for their mandates. Nobody social distanced. Nobody was wearing masks. Cities burned. Political leaders joined in the protests. They were out there in the streets. Didn't matter that the people that uh, weren't involved, if you wanted to go outside, you weren't allowed to. You had to follow the protocols. Countless cities burned. Nearly $2 billion in damages were done. And Meanwhile, America was so desperate to do anything at all, we kept going down the path of sacrificing our individual identities. The American people, they dutifully covered their faces. They lost their smiles. 
I, I tell you, I thrive on humor, and I thrive on interactions with people on a day-to-day basis. One of my favorite things to do is if I yeah, have to go to the DMV, which is an uncomfortable place to be in to begin with. Nobody wants to be there. Everybody's upset because they're paying yet another tax or whatever. I always make it my goal to see if I can get somebody to smile. Once we put the masks on, I wasn't allowed to do that anymore. Couldn't tell. It takes something away from the soul of the human being if they can't read a person's face. It's covered. Then the isolation got to the point where people started losing their own humanity. Got violently narcissistic. Anybody that stood in their way or what they believed got shouted down. They got threats. Every individual, it didn't matter about interacting with people, you weren't allowed to. Your isolation was your prison of your own making. Then moving into early 2022, we slammed the brakes on a $22 trillion economy. It was one of the best things that the Trump administration had going for it. Job growth, the economy, all of that. handed it over to the CDC, and the CDC said shut down the economy. Donald Trump took a hands-off approach to government at that point. He said, I'm going to turn over our government to the CDC, and they are going to decide how we're going to live. He went on touting warp speed, all these things that were going to happen. A vaccine was right around the corner. And again, oddly, how was a vaccine right around the corner if they didn't know what this thing was? Our economy stopped. Small businesses died. Local gyms all across this country were shut down. And then when they tried to run their business, in spite of the mandates... They were arrested, thrown in jail, fined. Mom and pop restaurants. Get your Home Depots, your Walmarts, all of the large corporations, they did just fine. So much so that they didn't have any competition. And this is going to bring me into this whole uh, corporate fascism and what that actually is. Our federal government picked the large corporations and said, you can continue to operate. And we're going to crush your competition for you. You no longer have to beat their prices. And that it was at that point when science died at the whim of the CDC. Fauci started touting that he was science. That the consensus was science. Any alternative treatment, and, and this is this is what's what's I, I don't I don't find benign in any way. I don't find it innocent. Any alternative treatment, any therapeutic option for somebody for anybody who could have survived this on their own. It was mocked. It was called conspiracy theory. 
doctors that were practicing using things, drugs that we have we've had on the books and been using for four decades that showed promise, they showed success. Now, they were actually outlawed. You were not allowed to use it in any off-label uh, treatments. So if it wasn't listed on the bottle, couldn't use it, even though it showed promise and showed that it was saving lives. Then antiparasitic drugs, which aren't only used in animals, have been used worldwide and saved billions of lives and now all of a sudden become a horse dewormer and mocked. But I find it odd that in the countries where hydroxychloroquine and the quote-unquote <clears throat> horse dewormer ivermectin have been used regularly, they're even on the shelves, seem to fare much better. But no, we had to wait for the pharmaceutical industry to invent something new. At the same time, New York Governor Cuomo was flooding his nursing homes with COVID-19, killing thousands, and he won an Emmy doing it. He knew that you couldn't put COVID-19 into a nursing home. Those are the most vulnerable. Did it anyway. He would take COVID patients from hospitals and put them in the nursing homes. And then when people would get sick and near their deathbed, he'd move them over to the hospital so it didn't look like they died in the nursing home. And he won an Emmy. He won an Emmy for how he handled the COVID-19 pandemic. And fear and anger becomes our heartbeat. By the summer of 2019, Operation Warp Speed was mocked by the political left, saying they're not going to take Trump's vaccine, blah, 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 blah. Until after the election. Then their tune changed. So it was only it was only a political thing, and that's why this whole thing has been politics. They wouldn't take a vaccine if Donald Trump was president. But then they wanted to mandate it after they took control. So come November, we have the election. And yes, there's a lot of questions about what happened with the, with the, the mail-in ballots, with the drop-offs, the vote counts that were done in secrecy. They were covering up windows while they're counting the votes, a public vote. They were covering up. So obviously people are going to question it. But at the same time, this election, you weren't allowed to question. Nope, pure as a driven snow. This from the same people who have been saying Russia stole the election four years before and had, are still saying it. Now that uh, Joe Biden is elected, threats of mask mandates moving into vaccine mandates with no science behind it. January 6th evolves into an oddly peaceful case of trespassing, but uh, considered worse than 9-11 and the biggest threat to our democracy since the Civil War. Meanwhile, nobody is called to answer for what happened in the riots of 2020. 
none of your politicians that provided bail money for the looters, for the violent participants, for the arsonists. No, they provided bail. Doesn't matter. That's considered, those rights were considered pro-democracy somehow. Then come January, January 20 of 2020, uh, 2021, Joe Biden takes the reins. Overnight energy costs begin to skyrocket. The floodgates opened at the border, and by May 2020, tens of thousands of Americans and allies are abandoned and left to the whims of the Taliban 2.0. Billions of dollars, nearly $80, billions, $80 billion worth of military gear, weapons, and equipment just stopped up and ran, left for the Taliban. U.S. military personnel in May of 2021 abandoned Bagram Air Force Base and the embassy before they extracted any U.S. citizens or our our allies there. 20 years of a war on an ideal. 20 years of a war that was based on we must do something regardless of what that is because something must be done. 20 years. All the lives lost. The trillions spent vanished, and it ended as unceremoniously as the Vietnam War did in the same haphazard fashion. That was May of last year, one year ago, right now. Then at the same time, supply chain issues start hitting, and they start hitting hard. You've got 100 container ships sitting out on the West Coast, not being able to be offloaded. Nobody's there to work. Everybody had been paid to sit home for a year. So all these container ships, everything that comes into the U.S., that's medicine, that's materials, products, goods and services, electronics, everything that we quit producing ourselves is sitting there off the coast of California by design. And at the same time, our our transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, takes two months off to go have his uh, paternity leave. And that's a whole different story. And they're still driving home vaccine mandates. 2021, they're still pushing it, but the efficacy rate is plummeting. Why? Because that original vaccine that developed during warp speed, which was so oddly available, was designed on one spike protein. It's that same spike protein that was injected into the virus to make it leap from an animal to a human being. Only way for that, that protein to get there is artificially. That's that gain-of-function research. By 2021, we now know that, that uh, St. Fauci and the NHS, the NIH, were conducting gain-of-function research, not here in the U.S., but in Wuhan, China, back in 2013 through 2015. So much so that DARPA said it had to stop. They could not endorse it because it was too dangerous and shouldn't be done. But they went ahead anyway. And they're still mandating it. Why? That protein is gone. That initial alpha variant's long gone. The carbon copy of a carbon copy of a carbon copy is now what we have today, and the vaccine is useless against it. Now all we're left with is the risk of the side effects that we now know are there. These side effects, 
these vaccines now have entered into, it's just all risk. There's no reward for it. It's not going to keep you from getting sick. It's not going to save your life. But somehow they're still forcing on us. This is 2021. They're still forcing it. So much so that Joe Biden says that he's losing his patience with the American public that doesn't want to take the shot. We're not following the science. What science is there? What scientifically is there? What data is there that proves that by taking this, I'm not going to do get the virus? Why is it that you change the definition of what a vaccine actually is? Because the loose definition you now have of a vaccine is more of a therapeutic. And if that's the case, then why can't we call hydroxychloroquine a vaccine? That's 2021. Then we move into 2022. Multiple young athletes are are beginning to die of heart-related conditions. Nobody wonders why. Then Beijing hosts the, the Olympics in February of this year. Putin visits with Xi Jinping and promptly invades Ukraine right, th- right at the same time, which seemed awfully strange that he invaded, uh, he invaded Crimea back in 2014 when the Olympics were in Sochi. Seems like he likes Olympic season. Then there's a drop of all of side effects of the vaccine. It becomes public. The media won't even mention it. Won't even warn the risks. You can listen to a, a one-minute ad on any other medication on TV, and you've got 35 seconds of side effects. Not one with the vaccines are mentioned. There's, there's pages and pages and pages of potential side effects. Doesn't matter. You've got to take it. You've got to keep taking it. COVID starts to become a bit of a memory as we start pouring more and more money into the Ukraine, which just so happens to be the same country that the president's son made millions off of. The same country that he set up meetings with. Burisma, the oil and gas company that his son Hunter sat on their board making $47,000 a month for doing absolutely nothing but gaining access to Joe Biden as he was vice president of the United States at the time. Nobody worries about that. And it does seem odd to me that they've been saying for when Trump was president, the entire presidency, that uh, Russia, 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 Russia hacked, Russia did this, Russia is our enemy. And at the same time, they impeach the president over Ukraine, who the current president has close financial ties with. Not to mention China. Then all of a sudden, Hunter's laptop turns out to be real. The news spent months saying that that was conspiracy theory, misinformation from the Russians. Our brand new Ministry of Truth. That director. She came out publicly and said when when the news broke that 50 Top intelligence officials have deemed that that is Russian disinformation. All that was a lie, and this person now heads our Ministry of Truth. But here we are. The left is staring at potential devastating losses in the coming midterm. 
and they keep talking about threats of nuclear war, and we've got to throw more money at it. Meanwhile, the American public is still in the same boat we were in. Today we're looking at baby food disappearing from the shelves. Another crisis. Another thing we're supposed to be terrified of. At the same time, baby food disappears from the shelves. There's an unprecedented leak at the Supreme Court. And it signals that the end of Roe versus Wade might be just around the corner. And then in the same breath, they say that COVID-19 cases are expected to climb to 100 million by this fall, just in time for election season. We're going to take a little 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 break. I know that was a bit heavy. Let's take a break and listen to uh, one of another one of our deadbeat sponsors. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up. This portion of the program is brought to you by Florida Man Adventureland. If you're a Central Florida native and you're tired of all the theme parks built for the out-of-towners, then Florida Man Adventureland is the place for you. It's a theme park built for the Florida Man by the Florida Man. If you think swimming with the dolphins is for chumps and you can swim with the alligators at the Florida Man Lagoon, fully stocked with gators big enough to take more than a dollar's worth of hamburger off of you. If you dabble in off-label chemistry, then be sure to experience our immersive Stump the Dentist experiment. If firearms suit your fancy, then check out the Florida Man Shooting Emporium. You can take a shot at a wild pig or of a rival gang from our authentic 1996 Chevrolet Impala. Forget all those butterfly encounters. We got a mosquito encounter that will knock your socks off. When you get a path of thirst and a path of hunger, then don't miss out on our bath salt buffet. It will expand your mind. The mouse might have a Chewbacca, but we got our very own skunk ape experience. Try to find him just after our lunch at the bath salt buffet. Don't waste time with a mouse, the whale, or a hulk. Jumpstart your pickup and get down with us at the Florida Man Adventureland, located just east of East Orlando. All right, welcome back. We're going to uh, start wrapping things up for the day, but uh, I want to be clear about the dangers of populism over principle. There was a lot of great things that Donald Trump did during his administration. But I don't know that he did it through the lens of principle. I think he's got principles, but I don't know that they're necessarily those core principles that make America so special. What makes the individual so special? He's got a lot of great instincts when it comes to business. He can read what the American people want, and that's his skill as the populist. But that one moment in his administration, when we needed principle the most, he turned it over to the CDC. He let the quote-unquote experts run your life instead of you. He supported it. He'd push back here and there, and he'd try to offer alternatives. 
But all those closed-door meetings with Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci and the quote-unquote experts, he wasn't involved in. Mike Pence was there just listening in. And whatever they determined, that was to be our future. So populism will only get you so far at your principles that will pull you through. It's principles that's going to pull the American public through. And unfortunately, I feel that we've, uh, we've lost sight of them. Those principles of individual liberty and individual responsibility. The principle that we have rights that do not come from a capital. The centralized government is an enemy. Our founders believed it needed to be restrained. Our Bill of Rights is a list of negative liberties for the government. We are empowered, but it's easy to get lazy and let someone else take care of you. Let somebody else do the thinking for you. We need to remember our principles. Go back to our founding principles. Reread that Declaration of Independence and not just the the part that everybody memorized in school. Well, they don't memorize those anymore, but read the usurpations. I, I encourage you to take a minute. Go to the Declaration of Independence. Find the full text of it and read the list of usurpations of why the American colonies said this is why the monarchy has gone too far and this is why we must govern ourselves. All of the grievances they had towards the king. I went through and I I underlined almost every single one of them as something that we're facing right here in our republic today. I want you to understand and I want you to try and think about, set aside everything that you believe in, whatever tribe you ascribe to, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, ultra-liberal, whatever badge you wear on your shoulder, set that aside and think about the psychological damage that has been done to the general public here in America since 2019. I want you to look back on 2019 and try and remember what was going on in your life, how much fear you had in your life. And was it well-placed? Was it productive? Because there's productive fear. But constant fear, constant anger, constant hyperbole, constant straw men. If you jump from one to the next, then you're not living a life. You're letting them live yours for you. But I do see that there's hope. I I really do. I mean, I work in between uh, UCF and Full Sail, and yeah, I still, every single day, traffic's back up to where it was at. I still see these young people riding their bikes, wearing their masks dutifully all by themselves. I see people driving in their cars, wearing their masks, doing something just to do something. I still see that. But the more and more people I talk to, and surprisingly people that I never expected, would start saying, you know, the past two years, I, I, can't, I can't live like this anymore. I do my best to encourage them that you don't have to. 
but I'm talking more and more to some young people, especially those in, in some of the circles that I'm in who despised the former president and happily voted for the current one. And it only took a year and a half for them to see how quickly things devolved. And they say, this is not America. This is not us. So there is hope. There's hope that more and more people will get out, go to their school board meetings. Your tax dollars are paying for it. You're paying for it. Learn what they're trying to teach your children. And if it's something that you can't possibly agree with, stand up and say something. More and more of these corporations that glommed onto the, the spirit of the age, like Disney did, are starting to see that they don't represent America. They might represent a very small fraction of her. But the vast majority of Americans, left and right alike, they want to live their lives. They want to be independent. They want to be free. They want that liberty that we celebrate that once meant more than the cliche of the liberty that we have today. But before we go, I'd like to leave you with a positive thought. God, that always inspires me. We'll talk to you next week. Tune in next Tuesday. It'll be live at noon next Tuesday for the very next episode of America's Pal. Till then, I'm America's Pal, Darren White. <laughs>